letter to my mountaintop church family. What a large and loving family you are. What a wonderful to have the privilege to share the most incredible father with you. A father who created us in his image and gave us unique characteristics. Because he knew our differences would bond us together and make us stronger. We belong to one another. Our differences are not a hindrance, but a welcome part of the body of Christ. Being in God's family means each of us has received the unmerited grace of God our Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. When I walked into Mountaintop 16 years ago, I knew that truth. I was a believer, yet I was not a follower. I didn't know what it meant to follow Jesus. It has been a joy journeying with you and discovering together what it means to follow Jesus in our everyday lives. To go beyond simply believing to learning to live what we believe. Together we're discovering what it means to intentionally follow the Spirit, extend grace, and demonstrate love in authentic community. Along the way we have been stretched and we have grown in so many unexpected ways. We work to resist the temptation to isolate ourselves or withdraw to protect ourselves from hurt. At times the journey is uncomfortable, but each time we lean into God's grace, we discover he will guide us even through struggles and disappointments. And we've had a few of those over the years. The journey we are on leads us to people who are longing for someone to care enough about them to disciple them in the ways of Jesus. There are people in our church, in our neighborhoods, and in our workplaces who are searching for more. They don't need perfect people or people who have all the answers. They need love and authenticity from a fellow traveler. You know, Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples. Interestingly, he did not tell them to go and be a disciple. He said, go and make disciples. For many years, I thought my role was to be a disciple. To be honest, it did not occur to me that I could or even should make a disciple. That seemed like something someone else did, not me. Then I realized God wanted more for me and he wants more for you. He wants you to learn what it means to disciple. God wanted us to know what it was like to be in relationship. The very essence of God is relational and that essential quality has been imprinted on us as humans. We were made to be in relationship with our creator and to rest in his creation. God uses disciples to make disciples. Being a disciple maker means inviting someone into your life and walking alongside them as you both learn to follow Jesus. In the same way that Jesus shared his life with the disciples and that Paul shared his life with the Thessalonians, we are to share ours with our neighbors. For some of, this, of us, this can be extremely uncomfortable, even a bit daunting. Here's the really good news. You don't have to do it alone. You may recall, Jesus sent the first disciples out in pairs. So if you're hesitant, ask a friend to join you. 
And if you've actively been discipling someone, it's time for you to bring along with you as an apprentice. You do not have the power to change someone. Aren't you glad? You can't transform anyone's life. Only God through the Holy Spirit can do that. What you can do is love people. You'll likely be clumsy at times and occasionally you may find yourself in a messy relationship. I promise you, if you will show up for someone day after day, God will change you and the Holy Spirit will change the person you're discipling. He will work miracles. When you invest in someone other than yourself and follow Jesus's commands, your relationship with him will come alive in fresh new ways. Romans 12 shows us how to begin. The message translation says it this way. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, and going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Jesus knows we cannot follow him without power beyond ourselves. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us. I encourage you to create the daily habit of asking the Holy Spirit to help you obey the teachings of Jesus and to follow his example. I want each of us to know the joy of allowing God to bring out the best in us and to experience the thrill of becoming disciple makers. Our city is longing for kindness, compassion, love, grace, and restoration. Our neighbors are waiting for Jesus and his disciple makers to come and share his life with them. Brothers and sisters, today I am more excited about the future of our church than I have been in the past 16 years. I believe we are poised to be a church of disciple makers that God can use to transform this city. I challenge you to stay on the journey together, to lean in, to take a risk, to be vulnerable and to go love someone. Blessings Mountaintop. Thank you so much, Glenn, for sharing your heart with us. Ben, we're gonna hear from you in just a minute. Uh, Glenn, you talked about growing in unexpected ways. 
kind of what are what are some some ways that you've grown unexpectedly here in 16 years? <laughs> wow, 16 years is a long period of time, but I tell you, over the last few years, I have just learned a lot about what grace means mm. and what grace means to me and what it means for me to extend grace to someone. Um, I uh, am kind of easygoing, real relaxed, and so I don't tend to have a hard time extending grace. That's kind of natural in who I am. But what I realized is that's because I haven't ever come up against anything really, really hard. And I have gone through a couple of very difficult circumstances where I found it hard to love people. And I Mm. found it hard to extend grace. Um, And it was in that that I came to realize just how much God extended grace to me. And that if I wanted it, then I had to extend it even if I didn't want to. Yeah. And so I think what I've learned is to lean into the Holy Spirit, to guide me and to help me do things that I can't do on my own. And so that's probably the biggest thing I've learned in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, it's, it's like when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. That sounds good when Jesus is talking about us. But when he asks us to do that same thing, <laughs> yeah. it gets difficult. Ben, you're, you kind of, we'll hear from you in a second that you start off kind of the same thing. Like you've seen at Mountaintop, you've learned things, you've grown, and kind of the strength and faithfulness you've seen just in her people. Story after story of um, just amazing um, ways that this community rallied around people and met needs. Like there were times where small groups would just come around and uh, figure out how to deliver meals and go to the hospital and take care of, of people. And story after story after story um, over the years of a lot of different types of stories, going through uh, marital issues and going through health issues and all these things, um, this church rallies around people and yeah. loves them very well. Yeah. And I think Mountaintop fights for unity. One of the things I learned really quickly in my first two or three months was that somebody said, what are you learning? And I said, I've learned, I'm learning what it, what it means to fight for unity, mm-hmm. um, that our people take seriously. If there's a conflict with a small group or just somebody that we, we fight for, we say, hey, how do we bring reconciliation? How do we bring healing in that relationship? And I just, what a testimony a church could be to the world in this culture to say we are a people that fight for unity. Absolutely. And even no matter what differentiates us or divides us, that we fight for oneness in Christ. Yeah. So Glenn, you said your whole thing was um, God uses disciples to make disciples. But what in the world is a disciple? <laughs> you know, that sounds real complex, doesn't it? But it's simply someone who is following Jesus and wants to learn his ways and live them out. Yeah, it's just it's just that simple. Um, it's going beyond believing into taking action. Yeah, it's so interesting that this language of Christian mm-hmm. kind of is so a part of our vernacular in the church that we've invited people to come to make a one-time decision to yeah. be a Christian. Not that that's not important. Not that that's not the most important decision someone would ever make, but it's we're called to be disciples. Yeah. Uh, and Jesus called us to, and that's a walking, a following. You, um, so, and, and so tell, talk a little bit about why do we, Jesus didn't say, Matthew 28, Great Commission, 
go ye therefore and be disciples. He said, go and make disciples, but why have we been content on being disciples and how can we be disciple makers instead? Yeah, you know, I read that so long as go be a disciple, go do it right, go do it good. It never occurred to me quite honestly, that I was supposed to go and make a disciple. That was an enlightening or an awareness that happened for me. And when it did, I think that I was like a lot of people, I'm like, what gives me the right to do that? Yeah. I don't have what it takes to do that. a lot of people that. feel ill-equipped. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Or, or if you're not perfect enough. Right, um, right. do I not have it right enough? Right. I'm not good enough. And right. so somewhere what I discovered along the way was, if you'll just take the first step, and just start to build a relationship, the thing that I kind of discovered is you'll never know all the answers. I don't care if you've been to seminary. I don't care if you have a PhD. Somebody's going to ask you something that you don't know. And isn't that cool? Because that's when I figured out you lean into God and into scripture to find the answer, go to other people, and all of a sudden that's when you really grow. Yeah. Like to me that is when you find depth in your relationship. You yeah. know, you hear a lot of people talk about, I wanna go deeper, I wanna go deeper. Well, the reality is the way you go deeper is you disciple somebody because they're yeah. gonna stump you. That's and right. that's when you're gonna learn. That's right, Deci de deeper isn't knowledge. I have a secret to tell both of you. <laughs> they don't give us all the answers in seminary. Did you know that? They um, don't? They do not, we do not have all the answers. Glenn, I thought, what if everybody in this room and everyone watching online right now decided to take one person five steps mm. behind them? Mm -hmm. One person five, because you're, you're gonna sit there saying like, well, I don't know enough, I don't, but do you know someone five steps behind you in the faith? A coworker, yeah. a neighbor, a friend? Um, if you're a parent, you live with them. <laughs> And it's not just your job to, as Christian parents, to raise children, but to disciple them. Yeah. What, if you took, what if we all took someone five steps behind us and discipled them for the next year? What would Birmingham look like? What would our world look like? It'd be transformed. Yeah. Like, I mean, just think what Jesus did with 12. We have thousands of baptized believers at Mountaintop. Right. What if we all went and did that? Oh. One person. Yeah. One person. Yeah. Um, ben, I was thinking about your letters. We're singing that Concetta Lettuce and that Jesus be the center of it all. Jesus be the center of my life and Jesus be the center of our church. Because um, one of the, the phrases that we're going to hear you use is about laying things down at the foot of the cross. I don't want you to give too much away, but right, right. tell me why that's on your, why that's on your heart. Um, I just, uh, I know that in this world right now, um, there are so many things competing for our affections, our attention, and our devotion. And yeah. so many of those things we can get just caught up in. I know I just, I, I find myself scrolling through feeds or overhearing conversations. And uh, it just, it's easy to get our affections and, and the, our focus put on things that don't really do anything for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And don't do anything to disciple. Don't do anything to build and, and do the things that we're called to do. And I yeah. think um, this idea of constantly coming to the foot of the cross and saying, what's important in my yeah. life? What's really important? Was it important to, to blast that person on a social media feed? That, was yeah. it important to be right about that issue that I don't even think Jesus talks about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, so. You're exactly right. I mean, we're not, 
we're not called to just be right. Uh, we're yeah. called to make disciples, right? Yeah. Not just know stuff, just know. to make disciples. Yeah. So how does it make disciples? So if I break a relationship right. that I no longer have influence in someone's life, then now I can't make them a disciple. Right. And also, I think when you disciple somebody, when you're real, when you don't have all the answers, yeah. when you actually, if there's an authentic uh, student in you that's always learning and always listening, um, that's a powerful that's a powerful uh, example that we have for people, yeah. that we don't have all the answers. It's okay. So when I read that and what we're about to hear, I thought about a, a viral clip that's been going from Dr. Billy Graham from when he was much younger and uh, miss him so much as a part of an influence in our world. Um, it was preaching about Habakkuk and how Habakkuk was asking God, he was a prophet of God, asking God, I want you to show me kind of... <laughs> Give me a little hope here, right? Give me a hope. And uh, this is what, this is, I want to quote Dr. Graham here. Habakkuk said, Lord, please tell me what you're doing. And God said, no, I'm not going to tell you, Habakkuk, because if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. And if God told you what he was doing in the world, we wouldn't believe it because we can look at it now, right? The world and say, is God doing anything? Listen to what Dr. Graham says. Boy, if you could just hear his voice instead of mine. Mm -hmm. Do you think God's given up and God's abdicated and God's left the throne? He hasn't. He's still on the throne. And those of us who know him put our trust in him and him alone. I don't put my trust in Washington. I don't put my trust in the United Nations. I don't put my trust in myself. I don't put my trust in my money. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, he'll be there. Boy, Amen. so I want to set you up a little bit and then we're going to hear for you because I know I feel this way and I love your kind of point here is don't, don't grow weary in, in doing good. Yeah. And we are in an exhausted world. Um, we're exhausted worrying about a pandemic. How many of you watching online thought in March you'd still be watching online in mid-July? or that in mid-July we'd still be doing this. We're exhausted from it. We're exhausted from the heaviness of the much needed dialogue about race and justice in our country, but it's heavy and we're exhausted from it. We're exhausted from worrying about what the economy will be like. We're exhausted from the commentary about an election that is still four months away. We've got four months to go. And we want it to be simpler and easier and back to normal but there's a word for us. Don't grow weary. So looking forward to hearing from you, Ben Kirkendall. Thanks. I want to uh, let you guys know about uh, a little bit of what these guys do. Uh, Glenn and Ben lead uh, communications. Typically, if there's something cool happening around the church and you're like, who did that? Glenn probably did it. Um, she has a lot, so many of the besides behind the scenes ideas and you see Ben's ministry every week up here on stage and how important it is. And know that when you give, uh, you help support them and the rest of our staff and this incredible ministry that we all get to be a part of. So uh, in just a moment, uh, there's just a break in the time. If you want to take your phones out and give, text to give, you can do that. Um, super easy. The word will be on the screen there. If you're at home and you want to do that, if you want to give online at Mountaintop Church. 
Dot.com is a super easy set, way to set up a recurring gift. If you're here in person, as you exit, there are some boxes you can place a tangible physical offering on, and some people are grateful to do that again. It's because of you that we can do something super fun uh, in a few weeks on July 16th at 6 o'clock, a family tailgate to not kick off but wrap up VBS week here at Mountaintop. And it's going to be socially distant with food trucks, but kids will hang out with their parents and just a chance to get together in the parking lot as a church family. And uh, we could not do that without your generosity. So thank you so much for giving to our mission and ministry. And um, it's a complicated time to try to do ministry uh, because of uh, the restrictions of where we're trying to keep everybody healthy. Uh, but we're excited about being able to do this. Hey, today is the first Sunday of the month and that means it's meet the pastors. So if you you would like to uh, meet some of our staff if you're new here today or new for uh, the last few months you can also text uh, new to our uh, our texting number and uh, we would love for you to connect there and so we can get to know you a little bit farther but hope we'll stick around whether it's on zoom or whether it's here we'd love to have you meet the pastors mountaintopchurch.com is that it meet the pastors slash meet the pastors uh, or meet right under the overhang uh, outside. Hey, let's get ready to hear from Ben Kirkendall. Mountaintop family, I don't know where to begin. When I first met you, my youngest child hadn't started kindergarten, and that same child is going into middle school next year. That is truly unbelievable. When it's explained like that, it feels like a long time, but yet it also feels like it's gone way too fast, except for these last couple of years, and especially these last few months. This season in the life of our church seemed to slow everything down a bit. When I look back over how much we've gone through as a church family, I'm grateful for examples of strength and faithfulness in the midst of hard times. I went back and forth on a few thoughts for this letter. First of all, I'm honored to be able to write this. I'm honored to have been able to serve you and serve with you for seven years. Trying to put my thoughts into one letter is impossible, but I am very aware of what many of us are feeling right now. When we look at the world right now, when we scroll through our social media feeds, when we try to talk to people through muffled face masks and plexiglass shields, when we witness a world so filled with hate and anger with anyone who might have a different perspective, when we hear of another senseless killing, we ache. We engage with a mess only to get beat up a little. We are growing weary. 
In Galatians 6, 9 it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. This encouragement written by Paul is loaded with meaning. First, it's an acknowledgement that we're called to action and that in our actions, we might get a bit tired, a bit weary. But perhaps the most important word in this encouragement is the word good. Let us not become weary in doing good. This is the challenge we're all facing right now. I would say that many of us are feeling weary, but the question I'm asking myself and the question we all need to be asking ourselves is, are we doing good? Is the source of our weariness from taking the weight of the world on our shoulders? Is the source of our weariness from having to be right about everything? from masks to no masks to whether or not a certain hashtag is offensive or the lack of using a certain hashtag is offensive, we can get caught up in a lot of heated debates. Is the source of our weariness out of concern for fixing our government or country? Is the source of our weariness from defending or deconstructing the institutions that human hands have built? Have we become so comfortable in the world we live in or the opposite of that, have we fixated on its alarming state so much that we've forgotten that we're called to something much greater? Let us not become weary in doing good. But what does doing good look like? For starters, we're given a clear picture in the Old Testament in Micah 6, 8. A commonly used translation says, He, God, has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly? to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And I love the translation found in the message. But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Jesus echoes this and distills it further in Matthew 22. Jesus starts by quoting from the Shema, the most central proclamation in the Jewish faith found in Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Then Jesus echoes a sentiment we just heard in Micah 6, 8. Love your neighbor as yourself. That all sounds great in theory, but what does it look like to do that hard work of love? To quote a lyrical poet who will remain nameless, love ain't a thing, Love is a verb. Love is a choice and requires action. It is not merely a feeling or a sentiment. Once again, Paul gives us some amazing words to lean into and to be challenged by. These words are found in Romans 12. I have to paraphrase, paraphrase this for time's sake, but it's worth a read daily in its entirety. Romans 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not repay evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I know that I don't get this right all the time. I'm far from perfect, but this is it. This is the definition of doing good in a Christian community. If, when we read these words, we realize that the fruits of the Spirit talked about in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control aren't evident in our lives, then we're probably missing something. As tempting as it is, the answer isn't to stop having hard or uncomfortable conversations. And the answer definitely isn't found in running to our media sources and friends that agree with us about everything we hold dear. The world can inform us about what we should value far too much. We have to step back and evaluate all too often the things on which we waste our time and energy and which steer us far away from the fruits of the Spirit, those things aren't expressly encouraged in Scripture or are things that Jesus didn't spend his time talking about or modeling to his disciples and followers. The things that we fear are crumbling and the things we fear will never change pale in comparison to the eternal truth that Jesus is on his throne. He is calling us to do good in his name and for his glory and to spread the good news. Are we letting our fears and distractions steal our joy, steal our peace, steal all of those things that Jesus promises we can have through the gift of the Holy Spirit? Are we failing to do the good outlined in Micah 6.8, affirmed and embodied by Jesus, and further explained by Paul? Have we loved justice and shown mercy toward our neighbor while being filled with compassion and not taking ourselves or our often limited perspectives too seriously in the process? Have we loved God with everything we have in us? Have we acted on that love by blessing and not cursing? Have we really sought to live at peace with everyone? Have we been joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer? I ask these questions while returning to the original encouragement. Let us not become weary in doing good. If our weariness is coming from fighting battles that have nothing to do with loving God and loving our neighbor, then our weariness is wasted and misguided. We need to let go of many things. I need to let go of many things. We can care about things other than faith, like sports or music styles or nation, or politics or history, and how some of those things are strangely intertwined and on and on and on. But those things must fade away at the foot of the cross. They shouldn't compete for our affections. Those things are fleeting and temporary. Yes, even our country that we remember and light fireworks and have barbecues over this weekend, however troubled it is at the moment, however hopeful we are in its resiliency, 
and however thankful we are for any opportunities it has afforded us. It is fleeting and temporary. No politician or government will ever live out our biblical mandates for us, and nor can they keep us from doing them. Keeping our eyes on the things of this world is not worth losing sight of the eternal kingdom that Jesus brought, is continuing to bring, and will ultimately finalize. To my mountaintop family that has shown what it means to love through good times, through bad times, and everywhere in between, let us face the challenges ahead together. Until he returns or calls us home, let us not become weary in doing good.